different location for every show. Well, I'm back home in Alexandria. I guess it isn't that different, but there we are. Very excited to be presenting you this episode featuring the first ever lady trainer to be introduced into the Racing Hall of Fame, Jeanette Elliott. And this is in relation to the upcoming Trailblazing Horse Women livestream created by Nathalie Mayrath, the blazing lady in charge of the initiative. It will be live on March 15 at 6 p.m. ET on Stream Horse TV, Facebook and YouTube, brought to you by Starlight and Starlight Ra- Ladies Racing. Now, Jeanette Elliott is a horsewoman pur sang, and I'm confident you will enjoy her kind of replies and engaging stories throughout the episode. Now, we um, <clears throat> had some technical issues on both ends. My blue Yeti microphone broke. Hence, during the episode, I kind of sound like I'm on the phone. Apple AirPods, Apple AirPods, I have to say that correctly, are not a good replacement, I'm afraid. So, Blue Yeti, if you're listening, please send help. But we got it done. We were able to get going. Without further ado, we are rolling. We are live. It's super rewarding to finally get rolling here. Natalie, thank you so much for helping us set this up. Of course, very happy to welcome in Janet Elliott as a well first ever female trainer inducted in the Racing Hall of Fame. I'm going to start with Natalie just to perhaps give us a quick introduction to the event that's coming up, Trailblazing Horsewomen, but the racing edition. Uh, when is this starting? How can people follow it? And how did it begin? Because I know you've already done one prior as well. We did. This is our second installment. This will be the racing edition for 2022. It will air live on March 15th at 6 p.m. Eastern on Stream Horse TV's Facebook and YouTube. And we really did this to get women together in the horse industry who have made great achievements and blazed a trail for others who come after them. Uh, It's really a celebration for Women's Month and a chance to have an extra special gathering of women who don't always get together and talk about things. Um, And they will share their stories, their wisdom, and... um, just talk about the past, present, and future of women in racing. And we have a very strong lineup highlighted by our two Hall of Famers, Janet Elliott and Julie Crone. We also have Diane Crump, who is the first to ride in the Kentucky Derby, first to ride in a stakes race, first to win a stakes race. The pro Donna Brothers, who is also a very top jockey herself. And we will have a special guest in Joe Motion, the mother of Graham, who was just named to the finalist ballot of the Hall of Fame. And Joe's career goes all the way back to Pony Club in wartime England and working in steeplechase over there. And she happens to have been the last, uh, the lady to lead up the last mayor to have won the Grand National nickel coin. And she was the first stable lass to lead up a winner of the Grand National. So we have a lot in store. Should be a lot of fun. And if you can't catch it live, the replay will be available at Stream Horse TV. And we'll make sure to plug that all as well. But no doubt an exceptional lineup of ladies, Natalie. And what was it that inspired you to create this? Or what do you hope to achieve with putting on this event? 
You know, our mission is to bring horse enthusiasts together, regardless of breed or sport or genre. And it was really a chance to highlight women's achievements and really advocate for the next generation to be able to come and do great things. And we um, just wanted really to get great women together and celebrate and, and be inspired by them and hear their wisdom. So we plan on doing these regularly and we're just so excited to have this group together. It's rarefied company and, and it definitely will be something special. Well, it certainly is an incredible group of ladies that will be lining up. And I'm very pleased to have one of them joining us here today, Janet Elliott. I already uh, keyed her up as the first M ever female trainer to be inducted in the Racing Hall of Fame. Janet, so happy to have you with us here today. I hope you're doing well. And I'm thinking you're at the barn, right? You would never be found far away from a horse. Well, I actually came rushing home from the barn to try and get sorted out on this phone because, you know, there's really too much noise at the at the, at the the uh, barn. So, uh, I mean, I was there all morning. <laughs> and what have you been working on as of late? I was reading up on, of course, all your achievements, but as well your efforts to educate younger people in relation to horse racing as well as horses. Well, it recently, probably have not done as much as I used to. I mean, I used to, you know, hire people uh, and teach them, you know, the ropes of, of how to take care of horses, you know, all the best, well, what I consider to be some of the best ways to deal with horses. And, um, you know, as far as riding and as grooming and regular stable work, uh, bandaging, etc. But I have slowed down a lot in the last few years. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's extremely difficult to find help of any description now. So, uh, you know, I'm not doing much as much teaching uh, as I used to. Well, hopefully with your appearance on perhaps Trailblazing Horse Women, you'll be able to inspire or reach some of those new generation that might move on to if you get a smidgen of your success, right? Well, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. But unfortunately, you know, at the moment, it's not just our sport, you know, horse racing in general, uh, but all, you know, everywhere, everybody's having trouble finding help. doesn't just matter whether it's horses or restaurants or, you know, anything. It, it, you, people are struggling to find people that want to work. You know, it's certainly you know, a very challenging situation at present across the globe, I dare say. Of course, we're just emerging from a pandemic as well. But would you mind kind of going back to perhaps one of the career highlights for you, of course, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, being the first female trainer to do so? Did that have any extra significance for you? Well, first of all, I couldn't have been more surprised. Uh, when I got the call, uh, I was actually down here in Camden in a parking lot and uh, I got a phone call. It was, you know, I knew it was a Saratoga number and 
and I said, no, "This you can't. This can't be right. I mean, I must be. Uh, you mean I've been nominated? Not they? No, no. You you are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was totally astonished, uh, and it was an extremely exciting moment, uh, as was the induction itself. Um, you know, certainly a huge highlight in my life. Janet, I just actually watched the replay that Brian and company kindly sent over of your induction speech, including the presentation by Mr. Shepard. And I was really struck by your first comment, which was that you started from the bottom. And I'd love to hear more about that, including the Irish show jumping team. Well, yes, I mean, I came to America, uh, I was originally grooming a horse called San Pedro for the Irish show jumping team that was going to Mexico. And at the 11th hour, they weren't getting enough passes. And I was the one that was uh, not getting to go. So I'd always planned to come to America after going to Mexico. So I just came actually on a horse flight with some horses that were coming over here. Um, and I came here then. And that's how, you know, I sort of got started in this country. And first of all, I was doing things like uh, babysitting and uh, various things like that. And then uh, I got a job with Jonathan Shepard, who was my mentor. And, you know, I learned such a huge amount from him. And there was another connection I'd love to throw out, which is Kathy Kusner, who rode for the U.S. show jumping team and was responsible for getting the first female's apprentice license for a jockey in America, happened to have been on the show jumping circuit when Janet was on the show jumping circuit. So it's kind of a small world there for our tra trailblazers. Yes, that's true. You know, Kathy, God bless her. She she a little tiny person um, and, you know, was an unbelievable rider. And she rode a, a mare called Fru that had actually come from the Dublin area. I was at a place called Burton Hall, which was uh, Colonel Hume Dudgeon's riding school. And that, that they bred Fru. There was a whole family of those, all beginning with F, Fru, Foster, Finn, several others, um, but uh, that's that's the Billy, the mare that she was riding uh, in the Olympics in those days. So I got to know her, and and um, you know, obviously all, all the team, the American team, just because of the connection. Well, also, when I say the connection, the horse that I was taking care of, uh, San Pedro, was an Irish bred horse that had been in America and was with the USET. But in order to be on the Irish show jumping team, you had to be an Irish bred horse. You, in other words, you couldn't take a horse that was bred in America that was being very successful in Ireland and have him on the Irish team. It had to be an Irish bred horse. I don't think that actually happens anymore. I think, uh, you know, any horse can be on the team now. But in those days, it had to be an Irish bred horse to be on the Irish team. 
and San Pedro was an Irish bred horse. And did you have wind, Janet? I'm just curious of Kathy's uh, quest over here back then. Had she started her quest to get the jockey's license? I don't think she had at that time because that was 1968. And I don't know what year she... Right. So they came around around... they. Uh, Diane I mean, it, Trump's biographer likes to call them the crop of 1969, belovedly, and these women were <laughs> all on the front lines vying for the right to ride in races. And so Kathy, took, it took her so long to invoke the Civil Rights Act in court, they kept denying her the license uh, for different reasons, like she would bounce in the saddle or she couldn't pass the test of breaking from the gate like everyone else could, even though she was doing it perfectly. They were finding reasons to turn her down. And then she finally took it to court. So she's really the one, uh, just for the record, Kathy Kusner is the one who got the first license. Right. She also actually um, had trouble getting a license with the National Steeplechase Association to ride in the Maryland Hunt Cup. Again, I think because she was a woman. Um, but she got over that barrier, too. So, Janet, what was the culture like for women in horse racing or even in equine sports back then? Because as we can kind of gather, it was very challenging just to get a, a seat at the table. Yes. I mean, I never really felt it, you know, because uh, I was just, you know, um, started off at the bottom as a groom and an exercise rider and you know, I just did my job and worked as hard as I could and, you know, sort of things materialized from there. So, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to get a jockey's license or anything. So uh, it didn't, that part didn't affect me. And, and later on, when you did decide to go out on your own, I do believe that was over a decade after working with Jonathan Shepard, was that challenging to then set up shop? Um, it came fairly naturally because I was working for Jonathan and um, I was asked uh, by Kip Elsa to train a horse for his mother. And I said, well, I really can't do that because, you know, I'm working for Jonathan. He said, I've already talked to Jonathan and it's okay with him. And so I actually continued working for Jonathan but had this horse on the side. And so I was very lucky, you know, that it all came together that way. So, you know, because Jonathan helped me get going as far as that is concerned. I mean, if I needed to school the horse over hurdles or something, I was able to take the horse and school it with his horses. So, you know, you have to have good people helping you all the way around. And I was lucky enough to be one of those people that was able to do that. I feel like you certainly had a, a big part, a, a big part to playing your own success. Just looking at the list of horses that you were able to, to nurture and produce. And would you mind perhaps telling us some of your favorite memories from when you were training as a steeplechase trainer? And of course, uh, you had three uh, champion Eclipse Award winners, Correggio, as well as Flat Top. Would you take us back to some of those moments of working with these types of horses and, and the achievements that? you were able to secure? Well, certainly, I think of all the horses I trained, Flattop was the best. Um, he he uh, 
right from the beginning. He was actually a little difficult. He he was a bad stall walker, um, and he was fairly strong in the beginning. He's ended up being very settled and very sensible. But he was, you know, without doubt, probably the best horse. But, you know, I had several, so many good horses. I had, uh, I mean, Victorian Hill. We got him as a three-year-old, and he ended up at one point being the leading money-winning horse in the country. Uh, and he was a fabulous jumper. Um, then, of course, we had Correggio that came from Ireland, uh, who was a ended up being an Eclipse Award winner. Flattop was uh, obviously an Eclipse Award winner. But then another real-time favorite of mine was Census. Census was a little, well, he wasn't little. He was probably about 16 hands, chestnut horse with a big white blaze, very consistent, and won the first Breeders' Cup steeplechase at Fair Hill. So that was, you know, a huge moment for me. I feel like you have an edge I've heard this before that women have an edge to bring the more difficult horses along or to nurture the ones along that might be a little slower. Do you, do you feel that, that you have that knack? You know, maybe I do. I don't, I don't think of it that way. I just think, you know, I was very lucky. I mean, I rode, I rode all the horses myself too. You know, I, I would ride on every set and and judge what we were doing by feel. Nowadays, you know, people train their horses, at, you know, go out and do such and such. Well, that was never the way I trained. I, I used to, we'd tack up the horses, we'd go out on a set, and I, obviously I had a rough idea what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go, but it would depend on how everything was going, how horses felt and etc whether I would you know go slower or faster or you know go do hills or whatever it was so you know I kind of did it by the seat of my pants so to speak so I think I was very lucky to be able to have the ability to ride with all my horses on when we were out exercising and really truly feel what they want to do on the day it's actually interesting that you mentioned kind of allowing the horse to guide you a little bit in training because I feel I've been an exercise rider in Australia as well as back in Europe I feel like in Europe with the variety of gallops we have that is still something that's done a little bit more that you just have kind of an idea of the pace you might want to do but you wouldn't be giving a rider actual splits like they do here in the US where in general you train on very similar looking training tracks and Perhaps it's more achievable to compare other horses against each other when going certain times. But I've, I've always preferred just letting the horse guide you as well. So I love hearing that. And just tying it back in again with the Trailblazing Horse Women event that we're doing and talking about the achievements of women in racing, of course, of which I know you keep mentioning luck. You've been you know, very successful with probably the hard work aside from a little bit of luck that you received as well. But if you look at the difference when you were training and perhaps now, would you say that we've evolved in terms of an industry in our acceptance of the talents that women have and what they bring to the table? I think there's no question, not only just from a training aspect, but probably even more so for the jockeys. You know, some horses just seem to go better for women. 
Um, I had a horse called Campanile who uh, won, well, he won quite a lot of races for me at grade ones. He won four in a row, as a matter of fact. And he, we ended up uh, being invited to take him to Japan. But Blythe Miller uh, was riding him back in those days. And, and he clearly, you know, went very well for her. Not that he didn't go well for other people, but he seemed to go better for her. And I think, you know, nowadays you look, I mean, in Europe and stuff, you see a lot more women jockeys riding over hurdles. And mm. it's probably the same thing. I mean, you know, some horses just seem to go better for women. Don't ask me why, but they do. Perhaps it's a little bit of different style and, and finesse as well. I think, of course, every person is different, but certainly that might have you know, something new with some women in a way as part of our, I wouldn't say upbringing, but in a way I'd say women can be very much more detail-oriented and, and men would be coined as having more strength. But even though I'd like to sometimes dispute that nowadays because I've seen very, very strong female riders as well. If you look at what we might be able to achieve in the near future or what might lies ahead for women in racing, would you say that you're optimistic? I think so, yes. I think, you know, because there are more people, get, more women getting into uh, the sport of riding and, and it's more acceptance for women. But I think you said something just a minute ago about, you know, men with strength. They, I found when I was galloping, you know, I wasn't strong enough for some of these horses, but I found a way to, kind of play with them and, and get them to sort of switch off and, and do what I wanted them to do as far as galloping was concerned. And I think, you know, men don't necessarily have to do that because they're so much stronger. And I think perhaps for some horses, uh, that's a real advantage. Yeah, I, I think... You're you're definitely on to, to something there. I find it very fascinating. From my own personal experience that there are horses that respond well to you being a little bit stronger with them, but there are also horses that switch off much better with you actually being gentle. Or this is going to sound really silly. I had a, a horse that I was riding. Um, he's now retired. He was a two-time group one winner back in Hong Kong, and I rode him as a two-year-old. And he used to be quite headstrong. And then there was one day that, Actually, by courtesy of the horse itself, he tried to kick me and he kicked my hand. And the trainer went, well, I think you should put someone else on him. He's very strong. I was like, no, 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 no. I've got my tack on him. I'm going to get on him. I rode him with one hand that day. And I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And he completely switched off, kind of yeah. proving that it, it, it's not a strength thing. It's, right. it's about, you know, what, like you said, keeping them perhaps busy or engaged. But I do think that there are also male riders who have managed to, you know, kind of finesse a kind of technique. And now, may I ask, Jeanette, how long did you ride for still yourself? Because I know that it's kind of a, a hard thing to give up, right? How long did I go on exercising myself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, just just up till a few, a few years ago, probably, I don't know, four years ago. And the, and the only reason I really gave up is because... Um, it, it used to upset some of my friends and owners that I would get hurt because I was getting older. <laughs> oh, no. And I had been, I actually had been hurt. I did, 
I had the silliest fall anybody could possibly have. We were quietly hacking home through the woods one day and the ground was very wet. And so I kind of was detouring and, and going between the trees and, and the mare that I was on, I don't know exactly what happened. She must have stepped on a branch or something that maybe popped up and hit her in the tummy. And um, she shot forward, and I don't know whether another branch hit my head or what, but she scooted forward again, and I just quietly fell out the back door. But unfortunately, and it was a very, very soft fall, I broke my neck. So, oh, oh my. And, well, it, it sounds dreadful, but I never really was in a whole lot of pain of any description. I mean, I, I called them at the barn, and I said, come and get me. I'm sitting in the woods. I wasn't sitting in the woods. I was getting up walking out of the woods. And With I broke my neck. Yes, but it didn't hurt. It was very strange. And um, I had a bit of a pain in the top of my shoulder. So I went back to the house and I had made myself some breakfast. And when everybody had finished at the barn, I said, well, I guess I better go get checked out. Because I always insisted that everybody that worked for me that had a fall at least go get checked out because if you get checked out and there's nothing wrong with you then you know that but if there is something wrong with you then we know that so I got I walked into the emergency room uh, instead of even going through the proper channels of the desk I kind of by mistake went in the ambulance entrance and, the, and the, I said whoops I guess I need to go the other way he said now you're fine just come on in and so I sat there and then the doctor came to see me and he said, where does it hurt? And I said, just on the top of my shoulder. And he said, uh, well, I don't know, maybe I think we get a CAT scan down. All right, whatever. So then they did that. And then, um, you know, however long they had to call somebody in to do it. I think it must have been a Saturday. So there was nobody around to do the CAT scan. So somebody came in. And they did that, and I was still sitting in there chatting with whoever it was, the nurse or something, and, and then my phone rang, and I looked at the phone, and I went, mm, and I said out loud, I don't think I want to answer that, at the same time as the doctor was walking back through the door. And he said, why? Because you don't want to tell them you've got a broken neck? And I went, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, oh, well, now we, we need to send you into Philadelphia or whatever. And I said, when do I have to do that? And they said, now. <laughs> so, anyway, Janet but, doesn't like big cities. <laughs> <laughs> but so, and you know, they, they, when I was in there, they, uh, you know, they kept asking me, you, you feel all right? I said, yeah, I feel fine. And so they said, you know, we need you, we will let you go home with a brace on if you promise you'll come back in a week or 10 days or something, uh, because we need to make sure that, you know, nothing's moving. And I said, I'll come back. So I actually went for about three weeks or more with no surgery. And then, and I was going, I had somebody else driving the horses because usually I drove the horses up and back to Saratoga because this was in the summer. I, uh, I had somebody drive the horse and me up to Saratoga, went up there for the, you know, every time we had a runner. And then the last weekend when they said, you know, we think we really should, you know, stabilize this. And so I said, okay. So I, I think I missed one, one event in Saratoga. And then the next week I was back up in Saratoga again with my neck fused. So, it, you know, it was really, uh, I mean, 
it really was in some ways a non-event for me, but it all worked out. Go and tell me you were still riding out with a broken neck. No, right? no, 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 I definitely okay. wasn't. No, no, no. And, oh, uh, you know, you can't drive either because you've got a, you know, you've got this contraption around your neck and they won't let you drive because you can't turn your head properly. But after oh, the surgery, my. all I had was a soft collar on. Uh, and then, you know, I think it wasn't very long before I was able to, you know, go back to doing everything that I'd been doing. Well, I'm glad you were able to recover so swiftly. Now, I, I want to circle back to something you mentioned and something that I wish was standard practice within our industry is that when someone takes a fall, an excess rider, jockey for that matter, you have them get checked out. That doesn't happen as often as I wish it would based on the fact that if someone takes a bad fall, they could have brain injury without being aware of it. And then if they were to fall again with a short amount of time, that could actually cause permanent damage. So you were certainly, you know, I think one of the few probably to start doing that. Cause I don't know of many that are even at present would be getting checked out. I think that's just maybe a cultural thing. That's just kind of, you know, just get back on and, and that's the end of it. Right, right. Yeah, I think, you know, a certain amount depends on the, the kind of fall somebody has. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's no question, you know, some of these falls are pretty minor, I think, um, you know, and that they really are perfectly fine. But, uh, yeah, I don't think for every single time you get dumped, you need to go to the hospital. But uh, I I had a, an Irish boy working for me once and, and he went back to Ireland. And, and later I heard that he'd had a pretty, eh, pretty bad fall and, and they really didn't pay that much attention to him. And he, he was pretty badly hurt, as it turned out in the end. And they they just took him back into the tack room and gave him a cup of tea and said, you'll be grand, you'll be grand. <laughs> and he wasn't. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, no, I'm definitely not speaking for every single trainer, of course, that this isn't done, because I definitely have worked for some wonderful people and I have been sent to the hospital by them. So... It's just that I wish it was more normalized within our sport that, that it's okay to go, hey, you know, go get yourself checked out just to be sure that we're looking after everyone. Right. I, I had a girl working for me on the farm and she had a fall and I wanted her to go get checked out and she was absolutely belligerent. She would not go. I, I did eventually get, get her to the hospital, but I mean, she was, she got really nasty about it and she was nasty to the people <laughs> in the hospital, but it turned turned out that she uh, had a drinking problem, which I think had made this, made her act the way she was acting. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. But I, I to, to be honest, it's, it's obviously going to the hospital is kind of a scary thing. It, it, knock on wood, I ended up only having to go once, but it's not something that's enjoyable for anyone. So I can understand that people are a little bit hesitant to maybe admit that there's something wrong and that they really need to get checked out. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, you go to the emergency room, and I hate to say this, but half the time you can be sitting there for two or three hours waiting for somebody to see you. And, you know, that's, that, that, that puts you off going right there, you know? I Especially definitely if agree with be that on that front, for sure. Yes, agreed. Now, I, I know that we've taken up plenty of both of already Janet and Natalie uh, final question here perhaps for Janet what kind of 
advice would you give a, a new generation wanting to get into horse racing and, and perhaps a bit more tailored, of course, to females wanting to break through as well? I suppose, you know, that the one thing you've, you've, they've got to consider is, is to learn from the bottom up, you know, and, and get to know, uh, you know, how to care for a horse first and then you know if if you're riding you know start off with somebody that's going to kind of take care of you and, and show you the put you on sensible horses so that you can learn and get fit and and you know get some uh strength i suppose and well, primarily fitness i mean i think when i was starting off galloping for jonathan um you know the fitter you got the better you rode so i think you know you, you do well there's a lot of people i suppose that sometimes switch from the eventing world to the racing world but and you know and are good riders but uh i think you know just learning learning everything from the bottom up is uh the best way to to get involved and and you know, you'll get to know your own comfort level, really. It's also incredibly rewarding to spend so much time with these uh, amazing animals. That, that's my personal experience. I started as a stable lass uh, as well and, and started exercise riding and, and later on went to different sides of the industry. But I loved what I did, especially for that such a long time. I did it for, for 10 years as well. So I, I completely agree with you there. And I think if people want to get involved, be great for them to perhaps see if there are any trainers situated nearby and, and hopefully be able to find indeed that kind of schoolmaster that is willing to show you the ropes and that is patient enough as well. Right. I do think, you know, we have in the steeplechase world a better opportunity uh, for young people because most of the trainers are training, you know, out in the country at the farm. And if you want to, you know, fall into this at the racetrack, it's immediately a lot harder, I think, other than, you know, doing the groundwork. But as far as riding is concerned, you know, because a lot of the horses at the racetrack are, are uh, not that easy to ride. And so, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people um, or youngsters, you know, starting out, you know, fox hunting or even, even riding show horses and stuff, you know, have a better uh, background, I suppose, better base, you know. Well, Janet, you're known for running a tight ship, I'll, I'll say, and especially getting ready for Tuesday's event. I've been hearing and reading some fun stories that make me chuckle about, you know, people raking the shed row for the chance to ride and things like that. But, but <laughs> do, you, do you attribute the way that you have treated your personnel and your employees to your success? I mean, you really believe in a, in a hardcore work ethic, right? I do. And, you know, it's very interesting because a lot of people would, would, you know, if you go to try and find somebody to come work for you, they, they get the word that I'm not that easy to work for. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go work for her. And, and several people will tell them they shouldn't. But I was talking to an, a, an old employee of mine the other day, a, a man that, actually is down here in South Carolina. And um, 
he apparently, you know, he seemed to be renowned to find women difficult. And he, he came to work for me, he did a very good job. And then he left. And then he came back again. And I said to him, I said, I can't believe you came back again. <laughs> but, you know, no, unfortunately, I am renowned for being uh, not that easy to work for. But most of the people that have worked for me um, have come back and said how much they have learned working for me, which, you know, makes you feel good. I also think that that's a massive credit to your ability to transfer your knowledge and perhaps indeed demanding people to put in the work so that they eventually exactly know what is expected and might go on to perhaps teach others as well. So I feel like in a way that's also a pay it forward and demanding certain standards from people is for everyone's benefit, for, for the horses being educated, for the safety, for the success of the stable. And that will, of course, transpire through to everyone's confidence levels as well. So I, I do kind of think it's a it's a positive thing. So Janet, thank you so much as well, obviously for being here, but also for everything that you've done for the industry and, and teaching others underneath you. And of course, you know, sharing your wisdom again with us here today, as well as uh, on the trailblazing event coming up, which I'm very excited about. I'm definitely going to try and uh, tune in. And thank you, Natalie, for setting up this um, Zoom event here today with us. And of course, also what you're doing to get women to the forefront and, and get everyone connected and telling their stories. You're I absolutely want, so welcome. Just want to add that I think uh, I, because I worked right along with my help, I did everything that they had to do. Um, I think that's, you know, an advantage. I, I wasn't sitting in an office just telling people what to do. I did as much myself as, as I asked them. And, uh, you know, I think that's always good, too. Well, and you hear that happy horses excel, right? And so if your horses are your bottom line and your horses are doing well, that's reflected in your record. But it, it involves a big team, I'm sure. And, and so we... We cheers you, Janet, for all of your accomplishments. Well, I'm lucky. I did have a good team of people, that's for sure. So that's, you know, that's something that if you don't have a good team of people, you can't, you can't get the job done, you know. And I was very lucky. My owners that, that came to me with horses, I mean, I didn't actually go out and purchase that many horses. I had a lot of people that sent me horses, and that was, that was the wonderful thing. But you certainly had a knack of getting the best out of every single horse that was sent your way as different as they all might have been and you speak a lot about luck and I think hard work also creates a little bit of that lucky break or makes you ready to respond when it's presented to you I think you're right I think you're probably right yeah Janet thank you again so much and Natalie you as well thank you. all right thank you I feel like I've been welcomed and guided throughout my career as a female in horse racing and that is due to wonderful men and women who helped me and I believe Janet is one of those industry mentors and representatives who has tirelessly thought, taught those around her and, and continues to do so. Now, this live stream is to highlight all those that continue to better the industry for all involved and lead the way within horse racing when it comes to equal opportunities for all. Now, I highly recommend 
you tune in or go to the website streamhorse.tv forward slash trailblazing dash horse women to find out more. Now, maybe a couple of updates on my end. I was in Saudi Arabia. Then a week after, I was very fortunate to be able to go to Florida for Acacia Courtney and Miguel Clement's wedding. So now Mr. and Mrs. Clement, my happy congratulations to the kind, talented, amazing couple that they are. What a wonderful and stellar day it was. Now, that Saturday was also Fountain of Youth Day at Gulfstream Park. And I even managed to record my first TikTok. Now, I would shamelessly plug myself if uh, I had not forgotten my handle already. I think it's just my first and my last name, to be honest, Naomi Tucker. But I've only done one TikTok so far, so I'm pretty sure I just need to try a couple more before uh, really being able to entertain anyone, to be honest. Now, in the interim, I hope you had a fun week. I hope you have a good week coming up. And also, anyone watching Cheltenham? Because I am... I certainly missed the jumps action. Now I'm looking, I'm, I'm watching it via the itv.com website. So if you run into any troubles, shoot me a message because I believe I've got it figured out how to watch. Now, may spring arrive shortly. <laughs> we need turf racing to get going again in the mid Atlantic. See you next week.